0: Morning, church. Morning. Got a little bit of rain. <laughs> Keeping those hills nice and green, huh? Um, yeah, I echo that. I echo that sentiment. Give us clean hands. Give us a pure heart. Right? We 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 constantly have to come before the Lord. Um, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing because because He's the only one. That does that sanctification, that 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 cleaning out, that gutting out of that old man, that old wretched nature, that old ragged first Adam nature, right? He's the one that does it. And, you know, as we've been learning going through the book of James, that if we ask sincerely, he's willing to give. He'll create in you that clean heart. Like King David, he pleaded, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right heart spirit you see king david understood his condition he knew that before god he was a wretch why why does the bible say uh, god is a, uh, or, or david was a man after god's own heart i think it has a lot to do with his understanding of who god was and who he was and who he was in the lord and who he was apart from god because we saw you know david's a real man and you know it's not this made up idea where all of a sudden you give your life to the Lord and you're perfect. We we don't have to go down the list, but David did uh, atrocious things after he was saved. But, but, but what David was delivered from that. And uh, I think it's a, a testament to the Lord's goodness and the Lord's faithfulness. That no matter where we're at, we're one step back to being right with him. But we have to engage. We have to humble ourselves, recognize that we're sinful and not run from that, but Admit it, and then he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sin and our unrighteousness. And he gives us; he imputes to us the righteousness of Christ. Amen. That's a beautiful thing. I mean that I, I can't get over. I can't get over the fact that we have redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. In a day and age where the 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 powers of the land. They're doing all they can to desecrate the name of God, doing all they can to take away. But we know how the story ends. So as the church, we, we, we shouldn't have a spirit of fear. And I'm going into this real quick. I just sense the Lord showing me this. We have to understand church, right? There, there's, there's the Holy Spirit. And then there's every other kind of unclean spirit. We do not possess a spirit of fear in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we study the word of God, we know how this whole thing ends. So even though it's rocky and bumpy and and, 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 and and it's just, you know, it's difficult going through life. You and I, as children of the most high God of Yahweh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know how this thing ends. So we need to walk in the strength of the Lord every day. Amen. In strength, in his strength, in his love. We shouldn't be defeated. We need to be believers of christ that are on fire for the lord and are walking in the newness of his strength that way we can accomplish the task he has set for us while we live out our time on this earth before we are called home amen all right um we're going to be in james chapter one this morning we'll be going through verses 13 down through 18 and uh, i'm super excited i mean this is just a great book uh, so much practical application you know so many times as as followers of christ we're like, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm understanding, you know, what these principles mean. But the, eh, I love what Jay Vernon McGee would always say, you know, uh, application is where the rubber meets the road. Right. This book. And I'm not I'm ne- I would never uh, speak blasphemy about the word of God, but this book will not do anything for us if we don't apply It's the application of all of the truth, right? The absolute truth that's in this book. It does nothing until we actually apply it to our lives. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to take up residence in our lives. Give us, bless us with the anointing, with the wisdom, with the strength, uh, with the discernment to be able to understand the word, rightly divide it, and then apply it to our lives. We ask in that way, it's going to, you're going to be able to do it. You're going to be able to apply these principles and you're going to see it play out real time in your life. You're going to be like, wow, I, re- I really recognize the difference between light and dark. I can see truth and error, you know, because a lot is premised right now in our culture. Fear. <laughs> Everything's driven by fear. You know, the media mongrels driven by fear. These stakeholders that own these companies that are doing all kind of heinous stuff, as the Bible talks about wicked men staying up all night, plotting evil schemes, It's all driven by fear. They're trying to, you know, herd people and get people in a position where we're fearful. But we don't possess a spirit of fear. Jesus said that perfect love casts out all fear. He is the one that casts it out. So you don't have to live in fear. Amen. This message is entitled The Word of Truth. The Word of Truth. Jesus is the Word of Truth the old and new testament. We're we're a Bible believing church that believes that the old testament has so many prophecies. It's 100% accurate in all the prophecies that have been fulfilled and the new testament speaks of prophecies to be fulfilled. But we believe in both the whole counsel of the word of God. Amen. So with that when you uh, get there to James chapter 1 verses 13 through 18, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the scriptures are up on uh, the, uh, the screen. We also have a couple hard copy Bibles in the back by Lou. Uncle Lou can give you one if you need one. And uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll read our, our text this morning. We'll go ahead and pray and get into the meat of our message. So it says, starting in verse 13, let no one say he is tempted. I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, Abba, Father, Lord, we thank You for just this opportunity to come before You. We thank You for the revelation of truth that You give through Your Word. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that You would... Uh, illuminate our our, our our spirit. Help us to understand your truth. Again, may your anointing fall upon us. May we be able through the power of uh, the Holy Spirit to uh, rightfully divide your word. Uh, may the words that come through my mouth, may they be anointed. May it come from you. May it not be of my own opinion, but it may may it be uh, done and said all to bring honor and glory to you. I pray that hearts are, are fertile and ready to receive your word. I pray that uh you would keep the hand of satan away from snatching up this word of truth that is is readily to be implanted in hearts today give us the ability to have the wisdom to apply this to our lives may we be may we be doers of the word not merely hearers father we thank you and love you in jesus christ precious name we pray amen. amen all right so last week Um, We do a little recap, obviously, just to kind of bring us up to speed, give us the framework of what we're going through. But last week we looked at the state of the poor and the rich in this world, right? Um, The world has a certain view on what poor people uh, look like or how their demeanor should be and how rich people uh, should act and how they they look and how they should be. We see it all the time, you know, Uh, but the Bible is clear that some people uh, disguise themselves as being poor when they're actually rich world with worldly wealth and the opposite as well but we know that the bible has a clear different distinction of what what it is to be rich and it is to be poor in spirit and so we understood that as we looked at that last week we looked at the core factor in whether a person has worldly wealth or has barely any worldly wealth the only thing that should exalt both individuals should be their position in jesus christ Amen. It's not it's not it's not a mass of wealth that we should boast in, but it should be our exalted position in Christ, the fact that we were hell-bound by nature, born into this world headed for hell. <laughs> that's just there's no way around it and that and and, and and that's so for some people that's just so harsh they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that my beautiful baby is bound for hell. Well, we know that, you know, if they, if they pass before the, the age of accountability, obviously they're going to heaven. But once you get to a certain age where you're able to discern and you're able to understand the difference between right and wrong, you and I are accountable before a holy and living God. He's holy. That means he has to deal with sin. And sin is dealt with by being cast away from him. All those that choose to willfully live a reckless life of rebellion against him, unfortunately, that's where they're going. But you see, God has made every provision possible so that no one may perish. It's up to us to witness the Holy Spirit when he convicts us and say, "Okay, I recognize. Yes, Lord, I'm a I'm a wretched sinner. I need forgiveness. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. But pride, that pride in every human heart, if it's not dealt with and not eradicated, we will not bend a knee. We will fight tooth and nail to the end. It's so unfortunate that so many people take this position. They don't want to bend a knee. They think they're weak if they humble themselves. But meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. Daniel was talking about that Thursday night in our our men's group. And it's a great reminder because in order to harness the strength that you're given, And say, no, I'm going to project it in a way that's going to glorify God. And I'm going to humble myself under his mighty hand. He will exalt you. God bless you. That's a grown man sneeze right there. (laughs) But he will exalt you, not your funds. See, so it doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. Now, if we're stuck on what the world thinks, then yes, we're we're going to be trying to please everybody. But we should be serving an audience of one. The Lord God Almighty and his word says it's not about your earthly riches, whether you're rich or poor. Our exalted position in Christ is what we should be uh, pumped up about. We were reminded last week of how putting our hopes, our dreams, our security right in anything else other than Jesus Christ is simply chasing the wind. Again, fear. You know, we're, we're just coming out of this whole pandemic that just had so many people shaken to the core. Even some Christians, they're like, I don't want to do anything. I can't do anything. This and that. I got, you know, and it's no, no, we, we need to go before the Lord. When we have peace with God and it's, it's not about uh, walking foolishly through life, but we're going to have a security knowing that he's got us and he's going to keep us. You see, we all have. Uh, a set ordained time to live and he's not going to allow us to die until our time is fulfilled so we should go by that and not by well oh man i don't i, I don't want i don't want to die from covid well we're already putting that in our minds when we're thinking like that or i can't go anywhere because of this 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 virus people have been sick all, all throughout time i'm not making light of people who've died from covid i get it we me and my wife we have a family member that died from covid Young, younger than me, healthy and died. But the reality is we have to walk in his security because whether you're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, none of that stuff is really going to save you. (laughs) The only thing that's going to keep you secure is him keeping you as the apple of his eye, hiding you beneath the shadow of his wings. That's what's going to keep you, not something man-made. You have to believe that. Because if not, then we're serving two gods. And now it's oh, we, already, we already broke the first commandment. Thou, thou shalt have no other God but me. Not the government. The government ain't my God. I'm not talking bad about the government. But you see, we, we get so fixated on all these things. And again, it's because of fear. But we need to make up in our minds, I will serve you and you alone, Lord. And let that be our hearts content. Amen? You see, because the only thing that will remain in the end is his unfailing word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. When it's all said and done, (laughs) that's the only thing that's going to ever remain. And so when we put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ alone, we know that eternally we're going to be standing with him forever in in, in joy and peace and love. We're not going to contend, have to contend with all this other stuff because that's the only thing that has any lasting value. If you've truly been converted and saved, you know what I'm talking about. Your prior life, none of that stuff fulfilled. You know, you keep going back to it, back to it, back to it because you think it's going to fulfill, but it doesn't. Jesus is the only one that can fulfill everything that you're craving and everything that you desire in life. He truly does. He gives you contentment where nothing else can ever bring that to you. Our understanding of this principle is absolutely essential. To recognizing our text this morning, if we do not have a biblical worldview or if we're wavering going to and fro saying, well, I kind of believe the Bible, but I kind of believe these self-help groups. I kind of believe philosophy from, you know, back in the day, but I also believe, you know, in the Bible. I kind of believe the Bible, but I also believe in these different teachings from these other religions. You're not going to be in a position to receive the absolute truth that is trying to be given to you. We have to settle the fact that the Bible alone is our compass through life. And it's his word alone that governs our life, our viewpoints, our decision making. Everything that we live through must be filtered through his word. Because it's the only absolute truth. Again, I'm, I'm so blown away that all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, they are 100% accurate. I, I'm, like, it, I'm like, what more do people need? <laughs> they keep finding and unearthing more stuff over there in the Middle East where it's like, these, these are archaeological facts and findings that you cannot refute. It's like, how can you not say that this Bible isn't real and that Jesus Christ is not the Messiah? It's crazy. But you would think that that would be enough. But but the Bible is clear that that there is a darkening of the mind and a darkening of the heart that causes people to not understand the truth. And so if you're saved today, consider yourself a miracle because you're you're someone that actually was, was taken out of darkness and you can actually see the light. There are so many people in this world right now, their hearts and their minds are darkened and they just do not get it. And the ramifications of that before they die, if they don't change, if, if there's not a transmission of conviction that causes them to repent, they are going to go to a hell of eternity. And the worst thing is they will be apart from the true and living God that created them in his moral image. They'll be in that eternal place forever apart from him. That's horrible. There's no peace. You see, we know that and I'm going off a little bit, but but it, I'm being, I believe I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus talked about when is the end of the age when you start to see peace dissipate from the earth. And I know you're sensible people, saints, but I know and I see that peace is slowly being taken from this earth. There's so much carnage. There's so much hate. There's so much violence. There's so much, There's so much lying and undergirding of falsehood. And peace is slowly and slowly slipping away. But you see, for you and me, the believers in Christ, That's a peace that they cannot take from us. That's why you and I have to go into our families, go into our communities, go to our places of work. And we're supposed to share the good news because many times you are the only Christ that people are going to see in this in this deafening, darkening world. We have four, uh, excuse me, three main points this morning. And uh, this is going to help us understand our text. The first one is this. (sighs) Yahweh, Elohim, the Lord God Almighty. There's so many different names. You might hear me using these Hebrew names. I'm just on my kick right now because the Lord's leading me to just kind of understand more of how the, the, the Old Testament translates in the Hebrew language. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But he has so many names. But that, that name Yahweh is, is, is more of a name than a title. And that's kind of, again, showing that that personal relationship, that communing that we have with him. He wants us to call him daddy. He, want, he wants us to have that, 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 that close, tight-knit relationship with him. It's not like, you know, policeman. You know, it's more of an intimate thing. But but he cannot be tempted by evil, speaking of God. He tempts no one. That is our first main point. You see, when someone says that they are tempted by the Lord God Almighty, those claims are completely off base. Again, everything is a matter of perception and perspective. And when someone says that, their perception and their perspective is completely off. The claim is actually... When you see spiritually what's going on, again, like Peter being used by Satan in a time where he told Jesus, no, you're not going to die like that. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Because at that moment, Peter was being used by Satan. He didn't even know it. But when people claim this, it's actually an attempt of Satan to defame the character of God. It is. Somebody is being lulled by a spirit of deception and, and, and Satan is trying to defame the character of God when someone says, God tempted me. No, he cannot tempt how quickly and easy God is blamed when sometimes we suffer some calamity or fall into sin. We want to blame God. Have you ever said out loud or thought to yourself, God should have never allowed this to happen in my life or God made me like this? You know, that's the one. That's a common one. God made me like this. This The family I'm in, look, look at my upbringing. This is what I was born into. It's his fault but this is completely wrong thinking you see all the misery of the world all the evil which we are surrounded is rooted in sin whether it is self-inflicted or comes from the hands of another person it's all sin you know all the nonsense about race and you know i you know people got to get over that so quick there's one race it's the human race there's many cultures many heritages but there's only one race. It's the human race, man. We all bleed red blood. I don't care where you come from. So that whole thing is a crock in and of itself. And it's, it's messed up so many people for centuries. Even back to biblical times where, you know, the Jews, the full, full-blooded Jews, they hated the Samaritans. They were like, you guys are half-breeds. You guys are dogs. <laughs> I can't even I can't even look upon you, right? And it, obviously, we look at our culture in America; it's permeated. But that stuff is it's not it's it's a distraction. Again, it's the deception from Satan. It's crazy. Uh, the whole Black Lives Matter and people tripping off that and saying this and that. But what what happened to one of the people that 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 started that thing? Dude got busted. Did he, did he die? We got in trouble. The cocaine and marijuana. That was Keenan Anderson. He was the cousin of the co-founder. Yeah, but. And did he die or did he go and get arrested? He died and probably got arrested. So, you know, again, I just point that out because, it's, again, that whole race thing, it's 2023. People need to get off that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a cop-out. It really is. The reality is we're all created in God's image, and we all have one destination. Well, two. Either we're going to go to heaven or hell, but we have to submit ourselves before him. So everybody is our brother and sisters in Christ. And even the people we can't stand, we just got to pray for them (laughs) and pray that the Lord would help us to love them. Because Jesus said, what? Love your enemies. (sighs) Never let it be said that it's God's fault that we ever sinned or that we were ever tempted by God. May may that never come out of our mouth. You see, because God is good. He is eternally and unchangeably good. He cannot be tempted by evil and and, and, and nor can, can God ever tempt anyone to sin. Adonai is the creator of all good and the source of every good, perfect thing. Everything good in your life. I don't care if you have a long list of good things or you only got one or two. You're like, I'm here and my heart's beating. Well, you better praise God for that. Amen. Because he's the source of it. He keeps your heart and my heart from, from, from not palpitating and, and not having an aneurysm sitting in the chair. It's him who does that. He keeps your lungs pumping full of breath and life. You know, he gives you the ability to cognitively think and understand things critically. He gives you that ability. So he is good. He brings goodness into your life and my life. The Bible says that he is the father of lights. Just a few verses down, we'll see that in our text this morning. Not only is he the creator of the brilliant sun and the maker of the stars, he is the wellspring, if you will, of all spiritual light. And the fountainhead of all wisdom and goodness and grace, it is him. He deserves all honor and glory and praise. He does. My, my, my spirit jumps out because I know it. I know it. And I, 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 just, I just want to praise him for his goodness. First John chapter f- uh, first 1 verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You see, this is why he must deal with sin, because he's full of light. He's the truth. He's exalted. He's righteous. He's holy. He's just. And when darkness comes in, he has to deal with it accordingly, or else he wouldn't be a righteous, holy God. You see, we live in a culture today where everybody's so sensitive. So sensitive. I'm not saying abuse, but... Sin has to be dealt with. Corporate capital punishment is a good thing, but we say no. We you know we, you know you can go ahead and keep molesting all these children, and we'll reform you. You can keep on murdering all these people. We'll just lock you up for ten life sentences. What is that nonsense? What is a ten year? What does a ten time life sentence mean? You can't have somebody locked up for three hundred years. You if they did something like that, you might as well. They might as well be done with. That may be harsh, but what is an eye for an eye about? An eye for an eye was to keep it from escalating and going on and on. But people would have no concept of that because we got to save everything. Don't kill the cockroaches. Oh, yeah, you know, we, you, can't, you can't call them exterminators anymore. They're pest control because they're controlling the, the livelihood of the roaches. No, eradicate those things. Let them live where they're going to live. Don't let them live on my property, in my house. No, get rid of them. Kill them. We live in a culture that just wants to appease everything, but that goes against the ways of God. That goes against the pattern of God. It perverts and corrupts what God's pattern is. You see, God is the father of lights, while on the other hand, Satan is the father of darkness. He kindles all sorts of evil against us, and he instigates every kind of deception, temptation, and wickedness of sin. That is what his character is. That is what that is what he brings to the table. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. You can get it on the front end, but you're going to get it for sure on the back end. You're going to get what you don't want. That whole smile now, cry later. That, that's basically Satan's agenda. And what does what the young generation say nowadays? Live your best life now. I've said it before from this pulpit. What does that really mean? When you break it down, they're saying live your best life now because after this life is over, they're over. they don't know what's going to happen. They don't realize they're going to hell. They're going to be done for eternity. So yeah, if you're not saved, I guess you better live, live it up now. But that's such a foolish train of thought. That's such a foolish way to think. That's such a foolish way to govern your life. These few fleeting years. The Bible says that our lives will be capped at 120 in this generation. You're not living like back in the day, in the days of Abram, before he was Abraham and Moses and all them, when they were living for hundreds and hundreds of years. No, 120. Is it worth it to live 120 years in pleasure and luxury, but spend an eternity apart from God in hell? That's horrible. It's a flash. It's a blink of an eye. It's a flash in a pan. We need to be wise about what we do and how we live. Amen. The second main point is this. People are tempted. We are tempted by our own ungodly desires that when left unchecked, produce sin and death of every kind. You see, this book, the Bible, it forces us to deal with ourselves. And that's why many people get squirmy and they don't want to, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to come to a church. They don't want to come to a real church service because we're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about the real stuff. We're not going to just candy coat everything. The word of God forces us to take a nice hard look at where we are and who we are. And we got to make a decision. Are we going to humble ourselves or are we going to act like things don't exist and we're just going to keep on on our own merry way? And that's what's going on right here. Because we when we are tempted to sin we should understand that again sin never comes from the Lord. So where does this temptation come from? It's rooted in sin. We inherited this sinful nature from the first Adam. And whether or not people say it's fair or not fair, it doesn't matter. That that's that's just our natural bend because we, we were born into brokenness. There was corruption from the man's seed because Adam and Eve chose to go against God. They didn't acknowledge I can eat from every fruit except for this one fruit, this one tree. And they did it. And so this is the predicament that we're all in. Temptation comes to us through our own enticements of the world and our inner lusts of the flesh. Again, when you look at Adam and Eve, everything that God made was good. He said, everything is good everything was good there was nothing bad that god made he said it was good it was good it was good the water the land the animals the plant life everything was good but then satan took on the form of a serpent and many believe that that serpent actually had legs and was walking because it goes on to say you're cursed you're gonna slither (laughs) on the, the ground and from the dust you know that's creepy i'm already thinking man Well, maybe they didn't know. Maybe it was normal back then. It was the first snake I had. But it's like, man, snake on legs. Bro, get away from me. I'm not talking to you. I don't want to hear what you have to say. That's beside the point. But, you know, Satan took on this form of a serpent not to build up and encourage Adam and Eve, but rather to tempt them to try to destroy them. It was Satan's rebellious fallen nature that Adam and Eve came into agreement with That set into motion this battle between the spirit and the flesh. You see, it's so important, church, that we understand what are we coming into agreement with. Don't live your life on autopilot. Be critical in your thinking. Recognize what you're allowing yourself to come into agreement with. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they failed to realize that they came into agreement with Satan. And ever since then, we've had this battle. Meaning that our natural sinful state, we are bent towards fulfilling temptations that come from our wicked hearts. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. <laughs> I say it all the time. If the Holy Spirit wasn't in me, you would not want to be around me. <laughs> Apart from the Holy Spirit, I'm a selfish person. I'm greedy. <laughs> I want what I want. I don't, I'm not considerate but it is the Holy Spirit that's forging in me the fruit of the Spirit and I'm able to be loving, I'm able to be kind, I'm able to love my wife, I'm able to love my children. But I can't do that in in my own self because I'm a wretch, I'm undone, I'm a wicked man apart from Christ. Who's heard of the global reset? The global. I'm not going to get into it, you can look it up on your time later when you want to hang out. But that's basically the modern-day Tower of Babel. They're trying to control the world. They're trying to to run things. But this whole global reset is, is fueled by this same deceptive spirit of pride. They think that they can do everything apart from God. They don't acknowledge that it's God that keeps breath in their lungs, that God is the one that created them. They are a design. He is the designer. What a shame it is for man to hold a clutch fist to God and say, I will do this myself. But unfortunately, many people do. The wickedness of humanity is rooted in disobedience and disobedience is directly connected to sin. That's that little nasty three letter word that not many people and not many churches like to talk about. Romans chapter five, verse 19 says, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous praise god for that right so I don't, I don't i don't mean to hammer down on the negative but we really got to understand the negative to really embrace and and revel in in the goodness and, and the positive right you can't get saved until you recognize you're a wretch but once you realize that jesus can make you a new creation no longer are you a wretch man that's a beautiful thing So many people, they don't want to hear the bad news, so they never embrace the good news. They don't take it seriously. But when you are honest with yourself and you say, Man, Lord, I get it, then you're in a position where you can be redeemed. And it's such a beautiful thing. And that's the most important decision anyone will ever make before they die. I don't care who you marry. I don't care where you go to work. I don't care where you go to school. It's about Christ and who Christ is to you, recognizing that He died for you, that He loves you so deeply. That he, he fearfully and wonderfully created you in your mother's womb. That's a gift, that's a miracle of life that, that no genetic testing can ever fathom. And yet, we don't even look at the gift of life anymore as a miracle, no blessing. We look at it as something that we can determine we're just going to eradicate it and just kill it. Because we don't want to deal with the responsibility. So much that we got pills in Walgreens and Walmart. <laughs> that young women or older women can just go over the counter and take this pill and it's just going to kill their baby. What a shame. What a shame. The searing of the conscience is another sign of the times when people's consciences are so seared that they're not sensitive to things. The hardening of the heart. It's a horrible thing, church. The third main point is this. True followers of Jesus Christ are not to be bound by temptation or sin, but rather we are to become the first fruits of his creation. James urges Christians to tell themselves the truth about who God is. You see, many of us have been taught a lie or we haven't been taught the clear truth. I feel so, my heart breaks, it truly does for many of people in the Catholic faith, and I don't mean to diminish or bash them in any kind of way, but they haven't been taught the truth correctly and so they're sincerely believing but they're sincerely believing a lie there is no power in the eucharist there's no power in the water i mean the 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 wine and the bread jesus christ does not come back incarnated in those elements it's not about that it's a symbol it's like a wedding ring right that's all it is and we're supposed to introspectively reflect upon ourselves and ask the lord to search our hearts and bring to light anything that's wicked or keeping us from having a right relationship with them before we take the communion, before we take the cup and the cracker. That's what it's about. It's not about the priest coming in, and I'm not bashing. I got to tell the truth, though. It's not about the priest saying that he has the power, because in Hebrews it says that Jesus Christ died once and all for the remission of sins. So what are we doing doing it over and over again? It means that it didn't mean nothing the first time. That is... The second commandment, thou shalt not make unto them any graven images. That's an idol. And, And it's not just the Catholic Church, the leaders of the Catholic Church. It's anything. It's that sports car that you own. If you're spending so much time on that car, cleaning it and doing all this stuff, that becomes an idol. If your job weighs so much on you and you're spending so much time and you're not putting God first, that becomes an idol. Anything. We don't want to put idols in our life. Amen, church. But we have to have the truth about who God is, because if we don't know the truth of God, we're going to think a cow is a horse and a horse is a cow. And that's what's going on within the church right now. People are taking bits and pieces of the word, but they don't got the whole word and they're thinking it's okay. I don't know what's going on with this whole. We don't believe in the Old Testament. That is so off base. You need the Old Testament. Those prophecies will strengthen your faith because you'll see it's all been fulfilled. And you're like, man, I love the, 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 the children of Israel. I love the Israeli people. How can someone say they're a believer of Jesus Christ, but yet they're, they're, they're saying these words to, uh, about Israel that are not right, and, and they're demanding and defaming uh, them? It's not right. It doesn't make sense. How can we love Jesus, but we don't love the people of Israel? It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Oh, it's a righteous indignation. I'm sorry that I go off, but but it, it just it just it boggles my mind. The darkening of the heart. You see, God cares for us even when and especially when trials come. I go back to that. People sometimes we say, Man Lord, why did you let this happen to me? I, I can't handle it. Why? Why? But we, we fail to realize because in that moment we're looking at things from the wrong perspective. He cares for us and he loves us. He's the giver of every good thing in our lives. You see, he is the unchanging source of any good we have and have ever had and will ever have. James completes this thought with an example of one of God's greatest gifts to us. God gave us life in Jesus Christ. That's an essential truth, something that we can never take for granted. You see, the cross can never get old to us. We have to always go back those old-time pastors talking about that old rugged cross. We can never let that diminish from our thinking because if we do, then we miss the whole point. We miss the whole point of what we've been given, what we've been granted, what we've been gifted. Eternal life. That means far beyond now. You're going to forever be in joy, in peace, in love with Him. No pain, no suffering, no more tears. All the struggles that you've gone through in this life, all the struggles that you will go through in your future will be minuscule compared to what you have to receive in Christ alone. Amen. This is a necessary truth that we must hold on to in the middle of our trials or else we're going to fall out (laughs) when we're going through it. If we're not holding on to this truth, we're going to fall away and we're going to break over the fact that these things are, are seem insurmountable to us. But with God, all things are possible, meaning all things that will honor and glorify him. So he'll get you through. Remember, you have an ordained time to live. So as bad as it will be, and I I mean, I've seen it. It's crazy. I've seen things. I've gone through things in my life. I've gone through things with my mom where it's like, it's only by God that he's allowed her to stay alive. She's gone through stuff where, man, you should be gone by now. But that's man's thinking. God has an ordained time for her. And so she's still living. And it's a miracle that she's alive and that he's doing what he's doing in and through her life. So we have to rest in the promises of the Lord because it's him who deems when we punch out. Amen. And that's why it goes back to. Don't have fear because he knows all these things. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over it all. Amen. God has cared about us from the beginning. James writes that God brought us forth by the word of truth. Christians are the first fruit of his creation, meaning we have a standing above all of the rest of what he has made. We are the apple of his eye. That's why that Bible says that, that verse says that. What is it? Seventeen eight. keep me as the apple of your eye, hide, be, hide me beneath the shadow of your wings because you're fearfully and wonderfully created and he loves you that deeply. What more evidence do we need that our God is a good and loving and powerful and faithful God to us? You see, no matter how dark Our circumstances are in the moment. Nothing can change the enormous good gift that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and unpack these verses and we'll be done for our morning. So 13 through 16, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Okay, so we see first off, again, temptation does not come by the hands of God. Though he allows it, he himself does not entice us to evil. Though God may test our faith without any kind of solicitation of it, that he may test us by allowing these things to come into our lives. You see, James knew that most people have an evil tendency to blame God when they find themselves in a trial. They just murmur and complain. How many times do we read in, in, in the Old Testament where the children of Israel are murmur, murmuring and complaining? How many times do we murmur and complain? I I, I, don't, I, won't, I won't answer that, but I bet you can guess. It's pretty often murmuring. Oh, these kids, man. Listen. Follow directions, be obedient. Yet by his very nature, God is unable to either tempt, in the sense we are tempted, he doesn't tempt anyone. Again, the great cause of sin comes from within us, our own hearts. This truth is very difficult for many to come to terms with. Some will never humble themselves and admit it is their own selfish lust for whatever it is that they give into which causes them to sin. But we've already established that God does not tempt anyone. He doesn't tempt people at all. We also have established that Satan does tempt people to sin. Again, just go back to the garden. I mean, it's all right there, right? The thing is, we with our free will, we ultimately determine what we will come into agreement with. You see, God didn't make us like robots. How weak would that be? How how genuine would that love be if the designer, right, just like somebody in the tech industry, designs a robot to do a specific task? That robot can't go outside of that task that the designer designed it to do. But God is infinitely wise and he's full of love and compassion and mercy and grace and sincerity and jealousy and wrath and all that. But he said, let me create human beings to be free thinking. I want to have a relationship with my creation. That's mind blowing So he gives you free will. I mean, you could be a fool and go stick a number two pencil in your ear if you want to, because you got the free will to do that. (laughs) But you also have the free will to submit and obey. And that's what I'm saying. That's what the word's saying here. That, 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 That our free will ultimately determines what we come into agreement with. You see, Satan can't make you fall into temptation. He can suggest it, and that's what he's extremely good at doing. Did God say... (laughs) <laughs> right? Extremely good at suggesting the art of suggestion is what Satan's all into. So we have to church be aware of when these suggestions come and through the anointing, and the power of the Holy spirit to able to recognize that and say, get behind me, Satan. I'm not coming into agreement with that nonsense. You're not catching me off guard because I'm walking in newness of life with Jesus Christ. And he's quickened my spirit to have wisdom, to be aware of these things. Satan has no power to make you commit sin. Only you do. You see, God is sovereign. It's a fixed fight. Satan is not on God's neck. They are not on the same level. This thing is a created being. And he's a coward. And he's just trying to squirm and get people seduced to fall away with him to hell. He don't have the power. We give him too much credit. Jesus Christ conquered sin and death. The worst thing you're ever going to experience in your life is death. You and I are going to have to walk into death. That's just the reality of life. That's the worst thing that we're going to have to go through. Even an amputated leg, have amputated arms. Walking through death is the worst thing you're going to experience. And Jesus Christ conquered that. How how much, how strong should we be in the Lord? We shouldn't be these wimpy, weak Christians up in here. Talking about I can't do it. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things that honor Him. I can tread on serpent serpents. I, I don't have to I don't have to succumb to all of this nonsense that's trying to drag me away from the truth. We need to get swole in Christ church. It's so real. We have to be on that level because we're soldiers in God's army. This is not a game. This is life and death with so many people that we love and their soul's hanging in the balance. Don't let fear and timidity keep you from sharing your faith with those around you. Be bold for Christ. Because he loves those people that he puts in your sphere of influence. And he wants to see them saved. And he wants to use you. You are, I am, his hands and his feet. Amen? Think about Christ after he was baptized. What happened? Where'd he go? Went into the wilderness. Who led him into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. (laughs) To do what? To be tempted by Satan. He wasn't there celebrating a banquet feast. (laughs) He went to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. It was allowed partly to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus Christ enduring every temptation ever set before mankind yet He did never sin. But this is, we think about this. It's like, man, if this would happen to the Lord, well, okay. So we we know that we're not exempt from temptation. Amen. Temptation is going to come. But you and I have to reside in the truth of the Holy Spirit and this book to, to be able to withstand temptation when it comes knocking our way. Think about the hard command he gave to Abraham. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2 tells us. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What? Bruh, I didn't have no babies for a super long time. I'm over here 100 years old. I finally have a kid. And now you're telling me take this boy and put a knife in his chest and sacrifice him? How crazy is that? (laughs) But again, right? His ways are not our ways. The way he thinks it is totally above us. He was testing Abraham to see where his loyalty was. You see, because we've been praying for some for so long and we get it. And it's like, well, does that become our God now? Or do we still honor the Lord? And then the Lord's like, man, I know. I know now <laughs> that you're going to honor me because you didn't hold your son in such high regard because I know how dear he is to you. And for some of us today, we have to come to a place where we don't let anything supersede the Lord. Not our family, not our grandkids, not our marriages, not nothing. Everything has its rightful place and rightful order, and God is always first. Amen? I didn't hear a lot of amens. (laughs) I guess people are struggling with that. God better be first. He has to be first, because then that's how you're really going to love your family. You can't love your family if you're putting your family first. If your wife's before God, what does that mean? Marriage all out of whack. Trust me, I know about it. <laughs> Been there, done that. What about the affliction he allowed to come upon Job? It's crazy. God allowed all that stuff to happen. Other times he may send tests as a form of judgment upon those who have rejected him, such as a sending a spirit to bring deception. First Kings chapter 22, verses 19 down through 23 tells us, Micahiah said, therefore, Hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him and on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. What is that? That shows us right there, church. There is a spirit called enticement. There is a spirit of a lying tongue, right? You look at the world today. We live in the most informative, informed generation of all time. There's so much information out there. Everything is ran by the Internet. Anybody can go on the Internet and start some web page and say whatever they want. There's a lot of lying spirits out there. And if we're not grounded in the Word of God... We're not going to be able to determine what's telling us the truth and what's lying. Don't be deceived, church. Test every spirit. Every time I'm up here, you better test what I'm saying and know for yourself that it's the truth, right? That's why we say study the word yourself. Don't go off just what I say. This will not get you through the week. This is good for today. And apply the principles you hear here. But you and I have to study this word for ourselves day in and day out. Amen? Yet in no case, even in this, does God entice a person to do evil. The application is simply this. Satan tempts and God tries. But the same trial may be both a temptation and a trial. Get that. Rattle your mind with that. The same trial may be both a temptation and a trial. It may be a trial from God's side and a temptation from Satan's side. Just, just as Job suffered from Satan and it was a temptation, but it was also suffering from God through Satan. So it was a trial to him. You see, that's why we can't we can't put God in some kind of box and try to try to say, well, this is how it's going to be. No, just let the Holy Spirit allow his truth to come into your life. That's why I've got over the whole thing of, you know, I get time management and all that. But you know what, man, I'm not putting God in a box. I'm not I'm not up here just just talking. This is this is biblical truth that the Lord has been showing me all week long. And it's imperative that it get through to you. And that is my, one of my responsibilities as the pastor of this church. I'm not putting God in a box. I'm letting him have free reign. That's why I don't talk to Majel and Isaiah and say, you got to do these songs. No, man, let the Holy Spirit speak to them. I don't care if they break out in four or five songs and everybody's like, why are, you, why, why are we not just doing two songs? Because it's the Holy Spirit. What if the Holy Spirit, what if he wants them to usher more of himself in this place? Then you go off. Now, I'm not saying people running around and barking like dogs. That's out of hand. But if the Holy Spirit leads on them to do something other than two songs, that is okay. They have reign because the Holy Spirit has free reign in this place. We cannot operate in this 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 mechanical way because this is an organism called the church. This is not a business. This is not a business. We only do all that formal stuff because of the state, because we render to Caesar what's Caesar's and we render to God what's God's. God bless you. Each one is tempted away by his own desires and enticed you see again god doesn't tempt instead temptation comes when we are drawn away by our own fleshly desires and enticed this can be looked at as as either a metaphor taken from a fish enticed by a bait right you dangle that that bait and then the the fish gets it and then that's it man you know hook line and sinker or 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 a harlot or a whore that draws a young man or nowadays you know it could be a man drawing a woman either way I don't want to get into it. Man, a man, woman, they all doing it all. But being drawn away, being drawn away and baited for some kind of pleasure and sex. You see, Satan certainly tempts us, but the only reason temptation has a hook in us is because of our own fallen nature, which corrupts our God-given desires. You see, many times people are led into sin, they don't even realize that they don't really want that, right? But they fill themselves with all this junk. Because they haven't been led to the truth. What they really want is peace and joy and love and happiness and tranquility. But they go searching for it in other places because they haven't been given it from the home. This is why the nuclear family is so important. And the, the people that are doing this should be ashamed of themselves that are trying to desecrate the nuclear family. And they're trying to inculcate these children by saying, take these puberty blockers. So you can decide whether you want to be a boy or you want to be a girl. Do not tell these young children this nonsense. This is what's going on in our world today. What what is wrong with these people? But again, we have to understand it's a satanic spirit behind all that. They're trying to corrupt these young children. So parents, grandparents, uncles, cousins, aunts, it's our responsibility as god fearing people to not let this culture dictate to these children these kind of things. We need to bring them to the truth of what God says. Marriage is between one man and one woman for life. If any of you are divorced, I'm not speaking bad on it. All I'm just saying what the state recognizes as divorce, unless it was something, like I said, adulterous. God recognizes you're still married to that person (laughs) in God's eyes. You're supposed to leave and cleave to one person. Now, can forgiveness happen? Of course, I'm not getting into all that. But again, we have to have a biblical perspective for all things. We can't be loosey-goosey and just say, well, we stand on the Bible on this subject, but then on this other one, oh, it's too sensitive, I, I, I kind of back off. No, the Bible says what the Bible says. The application is this. This is why it's so important to walk in the anointing of Jesus Christ and be aware of what we are coming into agreement with. You see, many a Christian are so influenced by the culture and lack discernment because they don't allow the Holy Spirit to govern their lives. So then, they're because they don't allow the Holy Spirit to govern their lives, they're easily led into deception and they don't even realize it. That's so sad. It breaks my heart when I see people and they're well, they're they they have the right desire, but it's like they just they're just not there and they're being deceived. And it's like you just want to. You just want to lovingly kind of just show them like, hey, man, get it. Understand that that's not correct. We have to be aware of who we are in Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to because then you'll rejoice. You'll be full of joy all the time because you'll know who you are in the kingdom of God. You'll see that it's no little feat that you've been saved and you'll take your salvation serious and you'll recognize that and you'll, des- you'll start to desire that for other people because you don't want to see other people go to hell. We must ask the Lord to grant us wisdom so that me- we may walk through this life able to avoid temptation that is trying to destroy us and render us useless in God's kingdom. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Look at how good God is. He's saying, I'm gonna always make a way for you to get out of there. You don't have to succumb to that. But again, what do we truly come into agreement with? Many a times it's like we really want that thing or that person or that experience. And so we say the heck with it. But it's like, don't be like Hezekiah. I got woke up in the middle of the night. I think it was Friday night. And uh, I let the Bible app go on my phone throughout the night. And uh, it was on like Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 39 or 40. And then it's like, God... Made God allowed for Hezekiah to have 15 more years of life. He was gonna die. His health was failing him, and then he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord, basically, I'm paraphrasing all this, and the Lord basically said, Hezekiah, I I hear your prayer, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you 15 more years of life. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Babylonians came. They heard wind that he caught better, and then uh, you know they came, and and then this dude was just like tripping. He just showed him everything. <laughs> He just showed them everything, all of, the, all of the grandeur, all of the glory of Israel. He showed them. And then eventually, 100 years later, uh, well, th- then, then the word uh, uh, came from the prophet to Hezekiah and basically told Hezekiah, man, your sons are going to be captives in Babylon. It's going to be all bad. All this is going to be taken because he didn't take it serious, the blessing that God gave him. He let the enemy in, showed the enemy everything, and he was good with it just because he said, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Well, may we not be like that, church. May we take every blessing serious that the Lord gives us. He's gifted you and me a miracle of life today. May we not take it lightly because the rest of today is not granted to any of us. It could expire at any minute. Like I said, aneurysm, heaven forbid, or something, you don't know, like that. But it just boggles my mind like, man, but that's there for our learning. Don't be like King Hezekiah. He started off right, but man, that poor man did not end well. That's a shame. May it not be said of anyone sitting in this building that we end up like that. A life from birth is bent towards its own desires. This is why we need salvation in Jesus Christ alone, to save us and to correct us so that we are no longer driven by our ungodly desires, wanting to gratify our flesh. Then we see the statement when sin, uh, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Springing forth from corruption, corrupt desire is sin. Springing forth from sin is death. The application is this. This progression to death is an inevitable result that Satan always tries to hide from us, but we should never be deceived about. You see, there's no wiggle room around this spiritual principle. If you dabble in sin over and over as an unrepented lifestyle, I'm not talking about... We all fall short, right? Come on now. So I'm not going to say sinless perfection. No, I get it. We all sin. I'm talking about an unrepented lifestyle like hell bent. I don't care. I'm going to live my life. Rolling like that, you will receive spiritual and physical death as your portion. That's just the reality. We're all going to die physically, but you're going to go to the lake of fire (laughs) if you don't repent. While on the other hand, if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap eternal life again. What can man do to me, man? I know my destination. We were talking about it earlier, uh, you know, me, uh, uh, Daniel and Michelle. It's like, man, I'm going the first round. <laughs> I'm going the first round. I'm getting caught up. I'm not going to be here during the tribulation and dealing with all that madness and that nonsense going on. I'm not going to be saved then. I'm already saved. I'm, I'm ready to go when it's time to go. Let me give me the strength to do what I got to do until that time comes. And Lord rapture me. catch, catch me up with you because I'm out of here. I'm, I'm trying to come back for the thousand year reign. You know, I'm trying to trying to see what's going to happen then. I'm not, man, that's just, that's going to be crazy during the tribulation. That's no joke. Do not be deceived, my dear brethren. Satan's greatest strategy and temptation is to convince us that the pursuit of our corrupt desires will somehow produce life and goodness for us. Well-meaning people that are unfortunately deceived. It's so sad. It's so sad. They're well-meaning, but they don't know the truth. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. <laughs> Either this is a crock, and it's not real, and we're wasting our time, or it's all real and true, and it is the key to eternal life. I believe the latter. <laughs> I believe the latter. I truly do. I've seen it happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in so many people's lives around me. It's real. It's real. Jesus Christ is the King of the Jews. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings. And I keep getting this wrong every week, the last few weeks, but every knee will bow (laughs) and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know why I was saying it backwards, but, but it's so true. Everyone will be forced to acknowledge him. You can't get out of that reality, right? Better to do it now than to be forced to later on. If we remember that Satan comes only to... Still kill, and destroy, then we will be more effective in resisting his deceptions and temptation. That's what he does. He comes to still kill, and destroy. He hates you. He hates me. He can't take our salvation, but he wants to render us useless. He wants to make you miserable. Don't come into agreement with him. Don't allow him to, to come into your marriage and cause havoc. Don't let him to use your children to, to get you riled up. Cast him out, rebuke him, In the name of Jesus Christ, walk in newness of truth, and you're good. Amen? Last two verses, 17 and 18. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit of His creations. Okay, again, it says every good gift comes from above. Every good gift. Think about your life. Maybe you've had a great life. Maybe you've had a rocky life. But whatever is good, whatever is righteous, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is genuine, it's all from him. And he gives it to you. He gives it to you without reproach. He doesn't say, you got to be perfect to receive it. He says, come as you are, raggedy, sinful mess that you are. Come to me and I'll give you newness of life. Aren't you so grateful that he doesn't say, you got to get scrubbed up? You know, and you know, it is what it is. I guess old timers, some of them, they were were like that. You got to dress a certain way to come to the church house. Man, you come in here in some flip flops. I don't care. You come in here with, with, you know, a shaved head. I don't care. You come in here with a suit and tie. I don't care. But we're not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the inner person. Just come, come to the Lord's house, be drawn to the Lord's house so you can receive a blessing, so you can receive correction, so you can receive direction for your life. That's what it's about, church. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heaven. Of course, the ultimate goodness of any gift must be measured on an eternal scale. So something that may be seen to be good, such as winning the lotto. What's, what's the last lotto winnings? Is it like the billions or something? What in the freaking world is going on? Sorry, I said freaking, but you know, what in the world? Billions? I'm like, that's crazy. What are they doing? You know, we think, oh, go. it's a man, I won the lotto. Man, you know? but it's like sometimes that could actually not be a good thing for us right it may be our own destruction so he gives what he knows is good <laughs> he gives with a good measure for us that's again learning that contentment you know that's what paul said in all things when i had a lot i was content when i had barely little i was content but again it's my place in christ my position in him helps me to be grateful in all circumstances because it's far more than this flesh and blood that we see. This little suit that we're wearing is going to expire one day and the real person who we are, our our mind, will, and emotions, our soul, that's what's going to live forever, amen? Mm -hmm. With whom there is no variation or uh, shadow of turning. God's goodness is consistent. Aren't you glad that he's consistent? He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. He's always on time. There is, he's, he's not, it's not this fake thing. It's not like Mayweather where some of these fighters were bogus and you got a perfect record. No, he's never lost. He's never lost for the centuries. He'll never lose. There's no variation with him. Instead of shadows, God is the father of lights. The ancient Greek actually translates this, the father of the lights. The specific lights are the celestial beings or bodies, if you will, that light up the sky both day and night. The sun and the stars are, they never stop giving light, even when we can't see them. Like, you know, when uh, Revelation talks about sackcloth, and, you know, when it looks like that, and, uh, you know, when, when, the, when the moon looks like blood, the, 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 the light's still shining. Even so, there is not a shadow with God. When night comes, the darkness isn't the fault of the sun. It shines as brightly as before. Instead, the earth is turned from the sun and darkness comes. This, mean that, this means, again, that God never changes He's consistent. His character is is ongoing. The Bible says that there's no variation or a shadow of turning with God. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 through 22 says, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is hidden. The darkness and the light dwells with him. A couple more points and I'll end. Of his own will, he brought forth us the word of truth. James understood that the gift of salvation was given by God and not earned by the work of obedience of men. Of his own will that he brought forth salvation. The word properly shows us similar to like a mother conceiving that God the Father has spiritually brought the light of life into our lives. The application is this. God brought us into the light of life without any incentive or prompting. He was moved only by himself because he delights in this mercy. He delights to give it. He delights to love on us in that way because his name and his nature and his love, and Isaiah and Michelle can come up, I'm I'm ending with these last few uh, points, that we might be the first fruit of his creation. You see, we can see God's goodness of our salvation as he intended with his own will and brought us forth with his spiritual life by his word of truth that we might be the first fruits of his harvest. In the previous verses, James told us what the lust of man brings forth, sin and death. But here he tells us what the will of the good God brings to us or brings from us. He brings us salvation to us and we should be the first fruits of his creation. This may be referring to The other generations, because he calls them the first fruits, especially written to Christians with a Jewish background. But the fact that these Christians are from a Jewish background means that James expected a greater harvest. So even in our time, he expected people to come and be reaped by, uh, you know, sown by the Lord so we could be the first fruits of his harvest. And this all speaks to all the skeptics who ask the same question all the time. If Jesus Christ is real, how come he hasn't returned yet? <laughs> He's waiting for the last Gentile to be saved. Once the last Gentile is saved, Israel is going to be convicted. They're going to recognize their Messiah. They're going to repent. They're going to receive him. Then this whole thing is going to roll up like a scroll and it's going to be done. We have the choice today, church, of life and death. May we choose life and choose life abundantly in Him. May we not be led astray by the temptations that come upon us from Satan or even the temptations from our own heart, but may we commune with the Lord on a moment-to-moment basis and walk in newness of life. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank You (laughs) that You are such a loving God that You desire that none perish but all come to repentance. Father, thank You for the mercy of forgiveness. Thank you that you grant it to us. Thank you for wisdom that you give to us so that we will not be deceived, Lord, that we will walk in truth. Father, may this word be firmly planted deep within our hearts. May it sprout forth a harvest that is ripe for you to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, we thank you and praise you in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.